There you go. Four punch, five punch, six punch combination. Body shot, body shot. Bang, 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 bang. Telling him not to counter punch. That was Jarrell Big Baby Miller during his press conference with Anthony Joshua last week, shortly after he shoved the champion and caused a bit of commotion. Undefeated challenger Miller is making a career-high payday of reported $6.5 million for his first-ever title shot against Anthony Joshua, yet was outspoken in his discontent for his share of the purse in his first title shot ever. Big Baby, whose most noteworthy opponent was a past-his-prime Tomas Adamek, a former light heavyweight champion who came in at a 100-plus pound deficit, in my opinion, should be a lot more gracious that Joshua even gave him this shot, especially given how easily AJ could have chosen Dillian White over him, who's arguably the more qualified contender. But Miller's attitude in the press conference also made the promotion a bit more interesting, especially in the wake of a pre-sale record AJ and Miller broke at the Madison Square Garden. Joshua, during the press conference, kept his cool. Throughout the press conference, he uh, tossed several insults back at Miller, often fat-shaming him, if you will, <laughs> uh, but really seemed to see right through Miller's theatrics, and that's really what it appeared to be, is nothing more than theatrics on the part of Big Baby. With uh, a nearly three-inch height advantage and a four-inch reach advantage, Joshua should should be able to neutralize Miller at the end of his long jab, just as Bogdan Dinu was able to do in the early going before Miller got inside and broke him down. Uh, Joshua himself, earlier in the press conference, predicted a seventh-round knockout, later predicted a fourth-round knockout, saying that uh, ultimately he expects Miller to wear down uh, at some point in the fight, given Big Baby's massive size, over 300 pounds. It seems like AJ's kind of fight to lose, but nonetheless, all the early signs point to a highly successful U.S. debut for the champion, despite the fact that many are predicting an easy victory for Anthony Joshua. AJ stated that he was inspired to fight in the Garden after attending Canelo's Madison Square Garden debut against Rocky Fielding in December, in which Canelo sold out the arena while facing very limited opposition. When I asked him, AJ refused to comment on whether he plans on taking his show elsewhere in the future, to Vegas in particular. He uh, simply just stated November 1st, which is the date of the fight. But he also stated that he enjoys training in Brooklyn. He's training at the Gleason's Gym and seems to be very comfortable uh, in New York City right now. If he wins, it will be interesting to see if Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum can strike a deal down the road with Tyson Fury. But Hearn commented that they expect to be able to work together, despite the fact that Fury is associated with Aram, and most likely that implies an ESPN deal as well. AJ is a matchroom fighter with a deal with DAZN, so obviously there's going to be some promotional and network hurdles to overcome now um, that they didn't have to deal with before. So 
It remains to be seen whether or not these obstacles that held back AJ and Deontay Wilder will affect the heavyweight picture in the future with fights like AJ versus Tyson Fury. But of course, there's a lot of details to be sorted through. I got a chance to ask Eddie Hearn after the press conference about Alexander Usyk and his prospective run at heavyweight. While Hearn confirmed that Usyk's heavyweight debut uh, against Alexander Povietkin is not yet finalized, here is what the Matchroom Boxing CEO had to comment. His intent to take that as a stepping stone towards the biggest heavyweights, even yeah, he Joshua. Wants to fight AJ, yeah, he I wants think to fight he'd have AJ. Two heavyweight, then fight Joshua next. But obviously, if AJ keeps winning, wow. Okay, that's very exciting. Thank you. So there you have it. According to Eddie Hearn, Usyk wants to fight AJ sooner than later, and depending on how good he looks against Pobiekin, if the fight comes off, that may or may not be such a great strategic move on the undisputed cruiserweight champion's part. Gotta give him credit, though. Not only is Usyk eager to face the best at heavyweight, but also the biggest, taking little time to acclimate to the ever-growing size of the heavyweight division. But as of right now, it's just hearsay, and of course, like any other event, especially at heavyweight, we're just gonna have to see how the politics play out. And next up, we have the editor-in-chief of TheFightCity.com, Michael Carbert here. How are you tonight, Michael? I'm doing well, and how are you? Good. So, uh, very soon on The Fight City, we'll have a piece from February 25th, 1964, Muhammad Ali, then Cassius Clay's victory over Sonny Liston, a huge upset for the heavyweight championship of the world. And this has to go down with some of the biggest upsets in heavyweight history. I know when... Buster Douglas knocked out Muhammad Ali, or what am I saying? When Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson, Jim Lampley in the eighth round of that fight or so said this might be the, he, he made a comparison between what was going on in Tokyo to what happened in the convention center at Miami Beach, Florida, between Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. Uh, in terms of its place amongst the greatest upsets in heavyweight championship fights, where do you rank Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston, or we'll call it Cassius Clay versus Sonny Liston? Well, it, it definitely has to be, in my opinion, it's a top 10 all-time greatest upset in the history of the sport. Uh, definitely one of the greatest upsets in heavyweight history. There's no question. I mean, um, I believe the official odds were some somewhere in the neighborhood of 8-1 to one or 9-1. to one. Um, You know, basically everyone thought that uh, Liston, who was coming off two complete demolitions of Floyd Patterson, um, everyone believed that he would win. Um, the, the number of people who were giving Clay um, a serious chance to compete, let alone win, um, you know, it was a pretty tiny contingent. Uh, Liston, Liston has to be given full credit. He, he had already laid waste to the division because he fought all the top contenders that Floyd Patterson didn't fight. So uh, uh, guys like Eddie Mackin and, and so on, he, 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 had, he had devastated the division and Customato, Floyd uh, Patterson's uh, trainer and manager, he did not want Floyd to fight Liston. Um, and the waters were muddied by the fact that Liston, who was well-known, had ties to organized crime. And there were people who felt that that should disqualify him from getting a chance at the at the title. Uh, Floyd Patterson, to his credit, 
decided that it was important for his integrity as a champion to give Liston, who clearly deserved the chance, to give him a, a, a title shot. And the result was a first-round knockout for Sonny Liston. And then they had an immediate rematch, and the result was a first-round knockout for Sonny Liston. So, uh, <laughs> What disguise did Floyd Patterson bring to the ring the second time? I'm curious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a poignant story. Uh, the fake fake glasses and fake beard so Floyd could exit the, the arena uh, undetected. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 there was at that – I mean, Sonny Liston at that moment was – you know, as, as imposing as Mike Tyson was, uh, for example, and we as uh, we talked recently about Tyson versus Douglas, very similar, th that aura of invincibility. That's what Liston had. He, had. he was the king. He had demolished everybody. He had beaten everybody. He was huge. He was powerful. Um, and uh, why was Cassius Clay getting this title shot? Was it because he was a threat? No. It was because he had proven himself to some degree to be a, a good contender. He'd beaten guys like Doug Jones and Henry Cooper. Um, yeah, you could say Archie Moore as well. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, an Archie Moore who was completely finished. But yes, he he put, he, put, he had a nice run. I think he was uh, nineteen and zero. He was going into the fight, and um, and it was a it was an attractive matchup. It was a big money fight, but it wasn't a fight. Uh, the attraction of the fight was not because it was seen as a showdown between two the two best heavyweights in the world and everybody was on the edge of their seat as to who would prevail. It, it wasn't that. It was more that Cassius Clay had become something of a celebrity, a, a sensation, and uh, his gorgeous George persona had worked to perfection. Um, he become a, a very famous athlete in a very short period of time. And, of course, he was an Olympic gold medalist as well. And um, so it was an attractive matchup between two big names, two high-profile fighters. But, again, virtually no one uh, was picking Cassius Clay to win. So it is, to answer your question, it is a roundabout way of answering your question, Alden, but it was and will forever be one of the huge upsets in the history of boxing. And um, I also think that it that it should be viewed as one of the great performances in the history of heavyweight championship boxing. I mean, uh, Muhammad Ali would go on to establish himself as one of the greatest boxers uh, ever. Um, and he really showed it that night. I, I personally regard his performance against Liston in that first fight as one of his best of his entire career. Um, cause Liston was dangerous, make no doubt, you know, there's no doubt about it. It, it. In retrospect, after the fight, Liston's reputation, uh, was completely destroyed. And all of a sudden he became a, a washed up old, you know, bum, but you know, that, that was unfair to Liston and it was unfair to Ali. I think uh, it was unfair to Liston because, <clears throat> you know, despite the fact that quitting is boxing's biggest sin, um, I know there's some controversy around that. I, I personally object to that viewpoint, but Sonny Liston was doing a good job in the first fight. You know, the, the cards were relatively even. I think, I think at least one scorecard was even. I think Liston might have been leading on another scorecard, and uh, Ali was leading on another. Yep, it was a split decision draw going into uh, the seventh round. 
that Liston never answered the bell for. And Liston had his moments. I mean, there was some controversy about what he had, if he had any illegal substance on his glove that was causing some burning in Ali's eye. But that jab was really offsetting Ali. And, and for a prime Ali, whose footwork and his jab and combination punching were as good as they ever were, you know, for Sonny Liston's slower but stiff and methodical left jab to offset him like that just says a lot for, for Liston. Well, Liston was a terrific fighter, yeah, and and a, and and a big part of his success. He wasn't just a a crude uh, brawler who you know overwhelmed everybody with his power. He knew how to box. He knew how to fight, and his jab was a, a terrific weapon. Um, having said that, uh, in my opinion, uh, Ali was clearly winning the fight, and yes, the. All of a sudden, in uh, in round five, Ali is blinded. Um, there's something wrong. Uh, it's later. We're pretty certain that um, a substance was put on Liston's gloves, and then it got into into Ali's eyes, and moment it, it temporarily blinded him, and that's why Liston was able to have some success in the fifth round. Um, but by and large, for the most of the fight, I mean, Cassius Clay was just too fast, too sharp. And the thing that shocked everybody, including Liston, and Liston is reported to have talked about this immediately after the fight, uh, you know, Clay was no slouch in the, in the power department either. He could punch. And he was a big heavyweight for the time. Yeah. Um, so, so Liston was in against... Uh, uh, somebody who wasn't just incredibly fast um, and talented, uh, but also somebody who was big and strong and could punch a bit. And, you know, Liston was uh, marked as early as the third round. He was shaken he, he, uh, by, by Clay's yeah, power. Right hand. You know? He was hurt pretty badly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that this was a huge shock for the vast majority of, of observers. And, um, and the and yeah, it's again, it's one of the huge upsets in boxing history. And then the outcome, of course, spawned all kinds of speculation that the, I should say the outcome plus the fact that Sonny Liston was known to have been connected to organized crime in the past. Um, that led to all kinds of speculation that the fight had been fixed. And then you have the rematch uh, the following uh, year in uh in lewiston maine i believe and uh that outcome that that was the phantom the so-called phantom punch that most people didn't see that felled liston in the first round the two outcomes well, it was pretty easy to see that punch i mean maybe instant replay wasn't as prevalent back then but <laughs> you yeah. know you, you see the punch connect you see liston's head jerk down and see him go down I, mean, I never understood I the, the the myth of this phantom punch well i agree i agree completely but but the point being that that outcome seemed very shady to many and so the two together it it, it led to this myth and i regard it as complete a complete myth that either fight was fixed i don't believe that either fight was fixed and in fact there was more than one official investigation, one uh, undertaken by a Senate subcommittee in Washington, D.C., 
that investigated the first fight to see if if there was a, a fix. It later came out that the FBI looked into whether the fight was fixed. There has never been any hard evidence. This is the first or the second fight? The first fight. The first fight was, was uh, investigated and looked into very carefully. And um, uh, there has never been any evidence of any kind, uh, hard evidence that I'm aware of, to prove uh, that, that either fight was fixed. There, it makes no sense. There's no, um, Liston was a huge favorite, yes, so maybe there was some kind of betting coup, but for that to happen, there, for, for late money to suddenly go on, on Clay in the first fight, that would have, that would have affected the odds. That, would have, that couldn't have been done uh, in secret. It, it, people would have known about it. And, it, and so apparently, you know, according to different sources, that never happened. There was never a, a sudden late um, uh, frenzy of, of wagering on Clay to win the first fight. Larry um, Merchant said after the fight, quote, why would the mob who controlled Liston want to give up control to Muhammad Ali to which it had no ties? Where is the evidence of betting coups? I'd never seen it. I, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you have to take into account how the fights ended. I mean, if you're going to do a dive, you try to do it somewhat convincingly. I mean, in the first fight, Liston stays on his stool. And it was, by the way, it, it was subsequently proven uh, that his shoulder injury was legit. He did, he did pull something in his shoulder at some point during the fight. Of course, I don't believe that's why he decided to surrender. I think he surrendered because he knew he wasn't going to win and he was getting beat up. And, and guys who are accustomed to bowling over opponents, when they suddenly find themselves in a ring situation that they can't control – and they're getting, they're having to eat a lot of shots. It's it's not far fetched at all to to imagine that Liston would decide, okay, to hell with it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just take a beating for this guy. The second fight, it that fight of course is even more bizarre. Um, it it appears to be a flash knockdown. Uh, Liston goes down. He starts to get up. Halfway up, he collapses to the canvas again and and rolls over on his back. And he's floundering around on the canvas for a good 15 seconds or so. The referee, Jersey Joe Walcott, completely blows it. He loses the count. The fighters actually start fighting again uh, before finally somebody gets Walcott's attention. Nat Fleischer. Yeah, that's right. Gets Walcott's attention and says, hey, he was on the canvas for 10 seconds. The fight is over. He was knocked <laughs> out. I mean. That's absurd that he just took took the guidance of well a highly credible journalist and Nat Fleischer, but he just completely gave up his authority as the referee and, and well uh, the problem with Clay was well I shouldn't say Clay at that by that time it was officially Muhammad Ali and yeah. he was, the pro part of the problem was he was dancing around the ring. And, yeah I mean if you don't uh, go to the neutral corner you you know in the rule book there you know it does tell the referee to suspend the count until the fighter goes to the neutral corner. Uh but the way that Jersey Joe conducted himself, it was uh, didn't look like he was in control, and he didn't have close and a close eye on the fight when he called the fight back on after Liston got up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, not not the greatest officiating performance, and it was a factor. But in my opinion, what happened was Liston Liston said to hell with it. Liston caught a punch, went down. He could have gotten up, and, and at some point he just 
thought to himself, hell, I, I, this is perfect. I can just surrender now. I don't have to take uh, five or six rounds of punishment like I did in the first fight. The, the fact of the matter is that rematch was canceled, uh, postponed. It had to be the, the original date was in November. Um, and Ali got a hernia. He had to have an emergency surgery for a hernia three days before the fight was to take place. And, and according to different sources, well, you know, years later, uh, that apparently was completely demoralizing for Liston. He had trained very hard for the rematch. Uh, he was very focused. He was in excellent condition. And when he got the news that the fight was uh, essentially canceled and, and uh, Ali would not be able to, to uh, perform for at least six months to recover from the operation, uh, the word is that Liston just became totally discouraged, and um, I really think that's what you see in the in in the rematch is that Liston goes down and he decides oh, to hell with it, you know. So I'm I I'm, I get very worked up about this because there are a lot of people out there who cling to this very firmly to this idea that um, that the, that the fights were fixed. And and it seems to be connected too with a with a, a fervent idea that Sonny Liston deserves more credit. That Sonny Liston is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. I, I don't see why you can't believe that he was legitimately defeated by a brilliant young fighter, uh, and and also say that he was a great. I think Sonny Liston was a great heavyweight. I think he was one of the greatest heavyweight fighters of all time. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think it's any sensible evaluation you've got to have him in the in the top 10 top 12 he's 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 in there he deserves credit for what he achieved but in my opinion he was you know styles make fights and muhammad ali's style was all wrong for him and when you combine that that style the movement the quickness along with uh ali's uh, toughness, his strength, and his and his power. I mean, he wasn't known as as being a hard hitter, but one of the quotes after the fight is uh, Floyd Patterson, I believe it was, went and visited Liston in his dressing room after the first fight, and Liston was one of the comments Liston said was, you know, they said he couldn't punch. Man, he can punch. Um, I mean, most of the fights in Ali's um, first run as heavyweight champion ended in a knockout. He knocked out Zora Foley. He knocked out. Uh, we stopped Floyd Patterson, um, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Liston twice. I mean, it's not a soft punch. I have to think harder about who went the distance with him in his first run as champion and who didn't. Yeah. No, well, Ernie Terrell went 15 rounds, but mm -hmm. that was partly because Ali uh, wanted to take his time and uh, make him suffer. Um, he could have He could have stopped him if he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, no, I, Ali could punch. Ali was a, a complete fighter, and um, and as I say, I just, I just, uh, there's my two cents on this whole idea of whether the fights were fixed. The other fascinating factor of of the first fight is how it, the time that it came, and then the aftermath of it. It really helps to mark a huge shift in American culture. Uh, just months before John F. Kennedy had been assassinated in Dallas and not very long after the winning the fight against Liston, 
Cassius Clay said, my name now is Muhammad Ali, and I'm a member of the Black Muslims. Um, and then everything that followed after that, including his refusing to, to uh, be drafted into, into the military, and then all the tumultuous events that followed in the 1960s and the assassination of Martin Luther King, the assassination of, of Robert Kennedy. I mean, the first uh, fight between Cassius Clay and Sonny Liston is kind of a huge, it's part of that cultural shift. It's part of that big change that America underwent in the 1960s. Um, so it, it's a significant sporting event it's, it's a significant fight in the history of boxing and the history of the heavyweight division but i also think it's it's a very significant event uh culturally and i had a lot i had some fun writing about that in, in the piece and, and trying to highlight that absolutely i mean muhammad ali's reign for the first time as champ. I, I really like the career of muhammad ali and the way it parallels very significant times in in uh u.s history and the second phase of his career is almost a culture of its own just watching his influence on zaire for example and his his influence uh and how it carried over uh after his retirement uh muhammad ali's got to be one of the greatest stories in in boxing history probably the greatest fighter in boxing history in terms of uh just his image and what he's inspired in his career Absolutely, his his influence. I mean, he was a he was a major figure of the 20th century, not just because of his success as an athlete, but as you know, he was he was a major figure of the civil rights movement. He was a major figure of the anti-war movement uh, in the 1970s. I mean, he was the most famous man on the planet, and um, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, so his influence, his impact on on world culture and on on American society can't be understated. And um, and it's it's more than being outspoken about an issue like the civil rights or or uh, or the Vietnam movement. I mean, a lot of athletes have given their opinion and 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 made made statements against what they perceive to be social inequities and what have you. But Muhammad Ali actually put his career on the line for both of those movements really he, uh, did. he lost he, did. His, he lost his title he lost his prime right there <laughs> that's absolutely true and then he came back in the 1970s and amazingly in in the most competitive heavyweight division in history he managed to prevail he, he regained the title and we just just recently um the boxing world was marking the anniversary of his upset defeat to leon spinks and of course, we all wish he had retired before then. But I uh, someday I want to write about that fight as well, because as much as Ali was a cultural figure, as much as he reveled in his fame and his influence, and he had some, he had many things to say, um, he was a, first and foremost he was a fighter. And when you go back and look at that 15 round war with Leon Spinks, I mean Spinks, of course. In only his seventh pro fight, he had no business, uh, or maybe it was his eighth pro fight. Uh, eighth pro fight. Yeah. He had no business, of course, going 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali and winning. Uh, but Ali was pretty much done. He was washed. Uh, but you go, but still, 
you watch that fight and Ali dug in and he gave it his all. He went toe to toe with Spinks and, and it was a war. And um, there's something to be said while, while I'm sure I'm not alone and wishing that that fight along with several others in Ali's career at the end of Ali's career didn't happen. Uh, at the same time, uh, there's something to be said for, for, for the guts, the courage he put on display at, at the end of his career. He was a warrior. He was a great, great fighter, a great, great competitor. And these days, it's, you know, the, it's a stark contrast to so many champions today who don't want to compete more than a couple times a year, if that, mm. uh, and who don't necessarily want to prove themselves against the toughest competition available. I mean, uh, Ali is the standard bearer, I think, at least of recent decades for, for being a great champion and a great competitor. Definitely, Michael. So I highly encourage everyone to check out the fightcity.com and their upcoming post and our upcoming post on Muhammad Ali's first victory over Sonny Liston on February 25th, 1964. That post will be up on February 25th as the, what is it, the 55-year memorial of one of the most significant fights in boxing history? Yeah, you may. It's a bit late uh, for me, Alden, but I think you might be right on that. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Definitely yeah, hard to do arithmetic in the wee right. hours. It would have to be 55. Yes, 55. That's it. My God, the time the time goes, doesn't it? Yep. Well, that about wraps it up for episode 15 of the Fight City podcast. I hope to see you guys next time, and glad to be with you, Michael. Same here, Alden, as always. Thank you. <laughs>